Welcome to the podcast of Redeemer Baptist Church of Panama. We hope that you enjoy the sermons and other audio provided by us. Feel free to share what you find here, and we hope that it will be beneficial to you as you seek to know and follow Christ. If you turn in your Bibles to uh, Genesis chapter 4, Genesis chapter 4, we're going to pick up where we left off before the uh, close down, before the shutdown. Um, we had started a series on the book of Genesis and, uh, before the shutdown, we had made it, uh, up through Genesis chapter three. And I'm going to just do a little bit of a recap, uh, as we dive in here tonight. We begin with God had created the world and everything in it. He had created everything good. It was supposed to be good. It was a paradise that would be uh, a a harmony for man and woman to live together uh, with no sickness, no pain, no death. That was what we were created for. We weren't created to have things like coronavirus invade our lives. Uh, We were created for peace and joy and love and harmony, uh, just like a hippie commune, except better. (laughs) Okay, so uh, that's what God created us for. He placed a man and a woman in the garden, and he gave them one command. He said, uh, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And it didn't last very long. We saw our first parents, Adam and Eve, the very first two human beings, disobeyed God's command. They partook of the fruit of the tree. And and God told them, as soon as you do this, you will die. And God had grace. God did not immediately wipe them out. But God had grace. He uh, he instead... um, He allowed them to live, but he sent them into exile. He sent them out of the garden, east of Eden. He sent them out of the garden, and they were to... to, He he cursed uh, the serpent who attempted Eve. He cursed the serpent. He cursed um, uh, the ground uh, and and made it so that, that human beings would have to work and toil and sweat in order to be able to feed ourselves from the ground. And uh, he also uh, said that as a consequence of sin, there would be a distortion of the relationship between man and woman. And no longer would there be this harmony, but there would be a distortion of the way that God created for our relationships to be. And thus, this explains the world that we live in. Now, we come to chapter 4 and we see further consequences of the fall. Uh, how, how, how when Adam and Eve uh, partook of that fruit, they introduced sin and death into the world. And they introduced uh, that sin in order that it, it would then uh, be carried down to each one of us. And, and, and their very descendants, uh, Cain and Abel, it, we, we see here tonight how, how they also sinned. They also followed after that same pattern that Adam and Eve had. Uh, they, they did so because they were, they were born after the fall. They were born into this fallen condition just as we are. And each and every one of us is fallen in the same way. We have fallen and we have, have broken God's laws. And yet there's also grace. One of, the, one of the things that we see in God's curse upon the snake and upon the ground and upon the consequences upon the man and the woman there is, there is grace even there. Because God says, I will increase your pain in childbirth. He could have just killed them right off the bat. 
He could have just killed Adam and Eve because, and started all over again. But instead, he says, they're going to have children. There's going to be more generations. In fact, in Genesis 3.15, I think which is the foundation for the entire biblical story, in Genesis 3.15, we see that God promises there will be a seed of the woman who will come one day and who will crush the serpent's head. And so there is this expectation from this very early chapter in Genesis, there will be a seed who will come. And we see here Adam and Eve, they have their first children, and there's that waiting, and there's that longing, and there's that expectation that there is a seed to come. Someone who will defeat the curse for them. Someone who will give them rest from their labor and their toil. Someone who will save them from the serpent of old. Let's look at our text. I'm going to read the entire chapter of Genesis chapter 4. I think it all hangs together uh, because the beginning and the end, they, they, they're tied together. And though there's uh, a little bit more content, content that's different, I think it all makes sense when we look at it together. So we're going to look at Genesis chapter 4. Now Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain, saying, I have gotten a man with the help of the Lord. And again, she bore his brother Abel. Now Abel was a keeper of sheep, and Cain a worker of the ground. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering of the fruit of the ground, and Abel also brought of the firstborn of his flocks and of their fat portions. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, but but for Cain and his offering he had no regard. So Cain was very angry, and his face fell. The Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry, and why is your face fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door, and its desire is contrary to you. But you must rule over it. Cain spoke to to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is, your, is Abel your brother? And he said, I do not know. I am, am I my brother's keeper? And the Lord said, What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying, from to the, crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength, but you shall be a fug- fugitive and a wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Behold, you have driven me today away from the ground, and from your face I shall be hidden. I shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. Then the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain lest anyone, any who found him should attack him. Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. When he built a city, he called the name of that city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Erad, to, and Erad fathered Mahujael, and Mahujael fathered Methushael, and Methushael fathered Lamech. And Lamech took two wives. The name of one was Adah, and the name of the other was Zillah. 
Adob bore Jabal, and he was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. His brother's name was Jubal. His, he was the father of those who play the lyre and the pipe. Zillah also bore Tubal Cain. He was the forger of all instruments, bronze and iron. The sister of Tubal Cain was Naamah. Lamech said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice, you wives of Lamech. Listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called his name Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. For Cain killed him. To Seth also was born, and he, and he called his name Enosh. At that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. We thank you for your grace. And we pray, Lord, that you would open our eyes that we might see wonderful things from your law. Father, we pray that you will uh, open our ears, Lord, that we would hear the voice of the shepherd speaking, Lord, that we would hear your voice, Lord, that we would, uh, we would answer your call, Lord, that we would uh, come to you in faith uh, and receive the grace that you freely give. And Father, we pray that you would, um, uh, Lord, that you would open the ears, not only of those of us who are here, but Lord, those who are around us, uh, Lord, those who are watching on the internet, uh, Lord, we pray that um, you would speak to us now. Lord, that you would show up. Lord, we love you, and Lord, we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we begin here. It says, Adam knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain. Um, here, we see the, the fruit of what was found there in Genesis 3.15. Remember, it tells us that, uh, that Eve was going to have uh, greater pain in her childbirth. And um, uh, one of the graces that we see in that is that, there, that God is not started, stopping the human race and starting all over again, but he is allowing a new generation to come up. And here, Eve, uh, whenever she has Cain, her words are, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord, is what, it, or what our text says. I've gotten a man. And notice how the attention is on herself. She says, I've gotten a man. It's something that she's done by her own effort. She's, she's worked for it. The, this is, seems to be the emphasis that's, that's there. It, it's, it's saying, I did it. I got a man. You know, we, we've got this expectation of, of a future coming king, a future coming uh, savior who would crush the serpent's head. And Eve says, look at me. I've done it. I've created a man. Or, you know, our text here in, in, in the English versions, it says, I've gotten a man with the help of the Lord. But the word with the help of is not there in the original text. In the original text is, I've gotten a man with the Lord. So she may be possibly saying, I've gotten a man just like the Lord did. I got a man with the Lord. The Lord created Adam and now look at me. I've created a man too, is what Eve may be saying. Look at me. I've got a man. Well, uh, we see maybe her hopes. Her hopes are in this man-child that she has born, uh, Cain. And uh, 
Again, she has another child. Maybe, maybe if, if, if it's not Cain, maybe it would be Abel. Maybe he would be the promised one. Maybe he would be the one who would come and crush the serpent's head. Well, they grow up and uh, Cain, uh, well, Abel, first he becomes a keeper of sheep. He becomes a shepherd. He, he takes care of the animals and Cain, he becomes, begins a worker of the ground. He, he's just like his father. Adam, he was a farmer. He, he tilled the ground. And uh, uh, Cain did the same thing. He became a tiller of the ground. And when, the to- when time came for them to come and worship God, wh- what do we see here? They both come and worship the Lord. And we see, you know, it looks like a good thing. It looks like something that's positive. Here they are after the fall, and Cain and Abel, uh, they both come to the Lord and they want to offer a gift. They want to offer thanksgiving to Him. It wasn't a sacrifice. It says it was a gift. It was a gift offering. There's different words. One for a gift, one for an offering, and one for a sacrifice. And it wasn't the word for sacrifice. It was actually one for a gift. So it wasn't anything that was required. It was it was out of their own hearts that they came to give this gift. So it's a positive thing that we see here. But somehow, something was wrong. We see that Cain, he saw that, that, what, 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 that Abel... His gift was received by the Lord. His gift, the Lord had favor on Abel's gift. But Cain saw that his own gift wasn't favored in the same way. His his gift wasn't favored, and he began to get angry. He began to get jealous because of, of the way that God had received their gifts. Now, we're not told in the text anything other than the fact that, that uh, uh, Cain's gift was, uh, was from his animals and uh, Abel's gift, I'm sorry, that Cain's gift was from his crops and uh, Abel's gift was from his animals. Um, but you know what? The law provides an opportunity for both kinds of gifts whenever, whenever uh, we're giving sacrifice. Um, so there wasn't anything wrong with what Cain had done. Something, though, was wrong. And um, we don't really know what it was. Maybe it was just the fact that his heart was wrong. Maybe that it was the fact that he, he wanted to, to maybe impress God with how good he was as opposed to Abel. We don't know. The text really doesn't tell us. But whatever it was, anger and jealousy began to grow up inside of Cain. And God, God knows all things. He sees into our hearts. He sees into, he saw into Cain's heart, just like he sees into each one of our hearts. He can see down in the deep recesses that nobody else can see except ourselves. And, and he says to Cain, why are you so angry? If you, if you do well, you'll be accepted. And, and if you don't do well, God gives him a warning. God knows what's coming next. And he says, he gives, Cain a chance and a warning and he says sin is crouching at your door sin is right there ready to attack you like a lion creeping up on its prey but God tells him you must master it how often is it that sin comes to us that same way it creeps up at us we don't even see it coming it's like a a roaring lion seeking whom we may devour. And it just creeps up on us. We don't expect it. It's the way sin sometimes comes to us. God comes to Cain with the warning, you must rule over it. Cain failed 
Just like his father Adam had failed. Adam and Eve were, were told not to eat of the fruit. And Cain, he lets that jealousy just root, just, just worm its way into his heart. Just uh, continue to, to, to eat away. And he decides he's going to murder his brother. So uh, Cain and Abel were out in the field. They were out in the field. Maybe it was a day just like any other day. And while they were out in the field, Cain, it says, rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. Cain was a man who shed innocent blood. You know, the Proverbs tells us there's, like, I think it's the, there's three things the Lord hates or something like that. And one of those things is hands that shed innocent blood. This was a very serious sin. Cain shed innocent blood. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? This should remind us of earlier in the narrative. Earlier, we, we saw how when, when Adam and Eve had failed, when Adam and Eve took of the tree, what happened? God comes to them and he says, Adam, where are you? We know God knew exactly where Adam was. We knew that, that God was asking those questions of Adam and Eve in order to get their attention, not because he didn't know where they were. God here, he, he, he's, he knows where Abel is. But God speaks to Cain and says, where's your brother? Cain does just what everybody else would do. Cain, when he's asked where his brother is after he's already murdered him, he lies to cover it up. He says, I don't know. And then he shifts the blame just like Adam and Eve did. What did Adam and Eve do? They said, well, it was the woman, right? Adam said it was the woman or, or, or Eve said it was the serpent. It was the serpent. Cain shifts the blame and says, well, am I my brother's keeper? It wasn't my job. It wasn't my job to take care of my brother. He shifts the blame, but the Lord sees right through Cain. No blame shifting, no amount of denial could, could, uh, could trick the Lord. The Lord says to Cain, the voice, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. And now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Let's look at verse 11 again. It says, and now you are cursed from the ground, which opens its blood, uh, opens its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. This is different. This is different than what we see in Genesis 3. In Genesis 3, there is a curse on the serpent. There is a curse on the ground. But it does not use the words, cursed are you. It does not use the words curse in relation to Adam and Eve. It's the serpent that's cursed, and it's the ground that's cursed. But here, these words that Cain hears, he says, God says to Cain, cursed are you oh to shiver to feel the weight of 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 what that is that that cain must have felt at the time to hear god say to him cursed are you this was a punishment that that must have been deeper than anything that even his parents had had before god said or then he says 
When you work the ground, it shall no longer yield to you its strength. You shall be a fugitive and a wanderer on earth. Cain is being sent into exile again. What happened to Adam and Eve? They were sent into exile. They were sent away from the garden. They were sent uh, away out of the garden and they were to, to, uh, uh, to live among the thorns and the thistles out in the wild. And now Cain is, is following after the same steps. He is being thrown out. He is being exiled away from the rest of humanity. Then, verse 13, Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is greater than I can bear. Now, there's two options that we can have as we think this, of this text. One, is he complaining about his punishment? He says, My punishment is too great for me to bear. Is he complaining to God? Or is he repenting? Is he repenting? Um, the word here for punishment is the word, the same word that's used for iniquity. And so, uh, maybe, the translators don't usually take it this way. They usually take it uh, that, 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 that his, his punishment is too much for him to bear. But maybe, there's some kind of repentance here that we see. Because it, it says, my iniquity, my guilt is too much for me to bear. Maybe, after God pronounces this curse upon Cain, his heart is melted. And he begins to, to, to feel the weight of his guilt and his iniquity. And, and God sees his repentance and, and has grace upon him. No, Adam and Eve, they were told, as soon as you eat of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you will die. And God had grace. And instead of, of wiping them out immediately, he allows the human race to go on. And he promises a savior to come. And with, with Cain, he didn't just kill Cain. He, he allowed him to flee as a fugitive. He says, Behold, you have driven me this day. Again, this is, these are the words of Cain. Behold, you have driven me this day away from the ground, and away from your face I shall be hidden. Again, along with being under the curse of God, along with, with feeling the weight of his iniquity, he is also saying, I'm hidden from your face. God, do you even care about me anymore? I, I, am I too far gone to be forgiven? You don't, will you even look at me anymore? Have you ever felt like maybe God didn't even see you? Maybe God didn't even care? And Cain seems to feel that way. Cain worries, you know, in the ancient world. Um, he worries, is one of my brothers or is one of the other, uh, other, of the other, because, you know, the text tells us later on, Adam and Eve had many other sons and daughters. They didn't just have Cain and Abel and Seth, but they had many other sons and daughters. It'll, we'll see this uh, in chapter 5. But will one of those other descendants of Adam and Eve, will one of them come and try to avenge for my brother Abel? Will somebody come and try to kill me? He worries about this. And God says, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord put a mark on Cain, lest anyone who found him should attack him. 
Then Cain went away from the presence of the Lord and settled in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So he was driven away from, not only from the ground, but he was driven away, it says, from the presence of the Lord. And he settled in the land of Nod. Now, I've heard before skeptics who look at this, and, and, and I think maybe Richard Dawkins, one of the famous atheists, was one of them. He looks at this and he scoffs at it and says, Oh, the land of Nod. Well, where could the land of Nod be? Well, if he knew Hebrew, he would know what he's talking about. Um, the fact is, the land of Nod is the same word that's used for a wanderer earlier on whenever... Um, Whenever God tells him, you will be a fugitive and a wanderer. And when, uh, so whenever it says that he's gone to the land of Nod, um, it, it's, it's a name, it's a place name, but it, it's, I think, representative of the fact that he's just a, he's a wanderer, but he's settled in the land that he'd wandered in. Then, it tells us, I think, uh, it brings us back here to the, the idea of grace. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. Wow. God didn't just start all over again. He didn't just wipe out Cain, but he allowed new generations to come up. Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. And when he built a city, he named the name of the city he named after his son Enoch. So he went and he developed a new city. Civilization was beginning to develop. Instead of wiping out a line, God allowed Cain to begin to develop civilization, a city that was developed. We see grace. And then, to Enoch was born Erad. To Erad, we follow this line down, and we come to this guy named Lamech. And Lamech is a little bit different. Lamech, it tells us he has two wives. And by the first wife, he has uh, a, a son named Jabal. Kind of a strange name. And, and Jabal, it tells us, was the father of those who dwell in tents and have livestock. So uh, it sounds like he was the beginning of, of, of a new um, profession. He was the one who, who took care of animal husbandry, who took care of animals, and it says they dwelled in tents. It almost sounds like the nomads that are still even around today. Um, the nomadic people who, who wandered around dwelling in tents and who took care of animals. And then Jabal had a, had a brother named Jubal. Uh, they had names that sounded very similar. Jabal and Jubal. <laughs> Maybe you have kids that you name similar names. I mean, with, with our kids, we name them uh, all with A's and J's. And Amy and I have A's and J's too. We've got uh, Amy Joe, Jared Adam, uh, Jerry Adele, Amanda Jordan, and Joshua Aaron. We've got A's and J's. And here we've got Jubal and Jabal. Jubal was the father of those who play the lyre and the pipe. So he was musical. And I think that's somewhat of where we get the word jubilee. Um, he was musical. Uh, he, he, he was one who developed um, arts and culture. So here we have an establishment of a city. We have uh, animal husbandry. We have uh, the establishment of arts and culture and music. And then... Zillah also bore Tubal Cain, and Tubal Cain, he was somebody who established, he was the one who was the forger of all instruments, bronze and iron. He was someone who developed uh, ironwork. 
Um, someone who, who developed technology. So as Cain uh, had killed his brother, he's driven away from the presence of the Lord. God gives grace, and he goes and he establishes a city. And God has promised him he won't have vengeance taken upon him. Sounds kind of like what we read about later in De- Deuteronomy about cities of refuge. If someone slays a man, the, the, people, the Mosaic law allowed for him to run and flee to one of those cities of refuge. Cain here uh, a st- follows maybe the same kind of pattern. After he killed his brother, he flees away and establishes a city of refuge. He develops, uh, his line develops uh, civilization with arts and culture, with, with uh, animal husbandry, with uh, technology, and possibly law. And I get law from the from Lamech himself. Lamech said to his wives, Ada and Zillah, hear my voice. You wives of Lamech, listen to what I say. I have killed a man for wounding me, a young man for striking me. If Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then Lamech's is seventy-sevenfold. Now, at first, that sounds just like bragging. He's saying, look at me, I just, I just killed, uh, t- killed two people, and if, if, if Cain is going to be avenged sevenfold, I'm going to be avenged seventy-sevenfold. But maybe this is the kind of a reasoning that you might see in ancient law codes. Think about it this way. Cain rose up and killed innocent blood. Abel had not done anything to him, and he just rose up and killed innocent blood. But Lamech here is saying, I killed a man for wounding me and a young man for striking me. So here we've got Lamech who is claiming self-defense. He's claim he's making a legal argument. You know what? If Cain, if he can't be avenged and he rose up and slaughtered someone from innocent blood, than me, who, I had a reason. Someone, I was just defending myself. I, I was wounded. I was hurt. And Lamech says, I killed the man for that. Then if Cain's revenge is sevenfold, then mine will be seventy-sevenfold. We have the development of all this flourishing culture, law, um, ironwork, technology. We've got animal husbandry. We've got uh, arts and culture. All of this flourishing from the line of Cain. God showed grace. He didn't just wipe out Cain. Maybe he heard Cain's repentance and saying, this, this guilt is too much for me to bear. Maybe you have something that you have sinned against God with, whether you're watching online or whether you're here present or whether you hear the sound of my voice and, you don't even, and I don't even know you're watching. Maybe you have something that you feel like God could never forgive me for that. God could never forgive me for that. Here, Cain felt that way and God had grace on Cain. He sent him away, but he was allowed to live and develop a city of refuge where culture thrived. But then we return back to the main point of the narrative. As we began, remember, we, we were looking at Adam and Eve. They had these two children and were looking forward to a, a seed of the woman, a descendant of Eve, who will come and crush the serpent's head. 
And now after we have this story of Cain and his sin, his fall, and the grace that he received, we see a return back to Adam and Eve. And it says, Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and called him Seth. For she said, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. A couple of things to notice here. First of all, remember, when she had Cain, she said, I've gotten a man. It was all about what she did, right? It was all about what she did. I've gotten a man. The Lord made a man and so did I. Well, here, it's not all about Eve anymore. Instead, she says, God has appointed for me another offspring instead of Abel. She has Seth and she gives God all the credit. She gives God all the glory. And it tells us here, for me, another offspring instead of Seth, instead of Abel, for Cain killed him. The word offspring there is the word seed. We're returning back to the focus on this seed who is to come. So Adam and Eve, they had their hopes all built up. They were promised one day someone's going to come who's going to crush the serpent's head. One of the descendants of Eve, one of the seed of the woman is going to come and crush the serpent's head. Their hopes are all built. Their hopes are looking at Cain and Abel and thinking one of these guys is going to save the world. And their hopes are dashed. One of them becomes a murderer and the other one is killed. But God sees them. God provides grace. And God gives them another child. He gives them Seth. And it tells us in the next next part, to Seth also was born, and he called his name Enosh. And at that time, people began to call upon the name of the Lord. There's a turn in the narrative here. No longer are we focusing on Cain and that line, but here we see Seth is the line in which the seed has dwelled. The seed is on Seth. It's his line. And it's this line that seems to be the line that is is calling upon the name of the Lord. Now we've looked at this text. What does that mean for us? We live in a broken world. And it just keeps getting worse and worse, doesn't it? With Adam and Eve, they broke, they broke this world. They, they, they brought into sin into the world by partaking of the fruit. And then in the very next generation, we have, um, we have a murder take place. And, and, and God sends Cain away from his presence. Our world is broken. We live in a world with coronavirus. We live in a world with cancer. We live in a world where we die of old age. We live in a world where where so many things are broken and wrong and it's not the way it's supposed to be. God created the world to be a perfect place of paradise where everything was good. And yet we live in this broken world. And our hope in the midst of this broken world is that same seed that Adam and Eve were looking toward too. We follow the narrative of the Bible. We continue following this out. Adam and Eve were looking at Cain and Abel. Their hopes were dashed. It wasn't Cain and Abel, but it goes on the line of Seth. We follow this line forward, and we come to a man named Noah. Noah's father was also named Lamech. And Noah 
Whenever he was born, his father said, maybe this one will bring us rest from all of our pain and toil. Sound familiar? We follow the line of Noah and on further, and we come to a man named Abraham. And Abraham is told he's going to have a descendant. He's going to have a seed who is going to bless all nations through him. Kings would come from him. We follow the line of Abraham on further, and we come to a man named David. And David is told, one of these days you're going to have a descendant. One of these days you're going to have a son who is going to sit on your throne forever and ever. And then we come to the New Testament, to the book of Matthew. When we open up the very first page of the New Testament, we come to Matthew. We see a genealogy that goes all the way back to the beginning. We see this line of a seed being carried on from generation to generation to generation all the way up to Jesus Christ. Jesus is the seed of the woman that Adam and Eve had hoped for. Jesus is the blessing of Abraham. Jesus is the, the king that would sit on David's throne forever and ever, ever. Jesus is the, the, the promise. He is the hope of the world. He is the one who came to crush the serpent's head. Jesus came so that he could die and defeat death. The death and sin and hell are our deepest enemies. And Jesus came to defeat all that. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, oh, grave, where is your victory? Jesus has defeated it because he is the, serp he is the seed of the woman who came. And our only hope is to put our trust in Jesus. Our only hope, it's not in doctors who can find some kind of vaccination for coronavirus. Our hope is not in hiding in our houses. Our hope is not in anything else. Our hope is not in having the best government. Our hope is not having, having the best governor. Our hope is not having the best president. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. He defeated death. And we can be raised to life with Him. And one of these days, we may die from coronavirus. We may die from something else. We may have a piano fall on us for all I know. I was just on Facebook this week and I heard, I saw uh, where another pastor who, from the picture, he looked like he might have been my age. I don't know. But this pastor, trying to lead his, his flock through coronavirus, he falls off a ladder working at the church and dies. We don't know when our next breath will be there or not. Because we live in this broken world. But our hope is in Jesus. We may not have tomorrow. But if we trust in Jesus, who rose from the dead victoriously, we will one day, the Bible tells us, will be raised with Him to glorious life. And we will never any longer have any pain and suffering. No more coronavirus. No more cancer. No more, no more rheumatoid arthritis. No more pain, suffering, or anything. No. We will live in paradise where it's restored to the way God intended it to be. And we will live forever, reigning with Him forever. He is glorious he is wonderful, and He is worthy of our worship and our praise. He is the seed of the woman, the Savior of the world, and all of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation points to Jesus. Thank you for listening to this message from Redeemer Baptist Church in Panama. For more information, please visit us at Redeemer. 
FarmerBaptistPanama.com or you can like us on Facebook.